0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. This is Larry Wilmore and I'm Black on the Air. So happy to be here. I'm feeling all the some good old California sun. Basking in that Dodger warmth and that Dodger glow right now. Sorry, Houston Astro fans. By the way, by the time you hear this, I don't know what may have happened in the World Series. I just know at this point the Dodgers won the first game, and it was glorious. So, feeling some good Dodger blue warmth today. Feels really good. Um, Houston has a good team, though. I ain't mad at you guys. I, I got nothing against the Astros. And um, my prediction... I don't think—I probably shouldn't say anything on this because this is like evidence for stuff like podcasts and stuff like that. Let's just say I want the Dodgers to win. I think they're going to do it. It's just exciting to have that back in the town. I went to the game, had a really good time, went with a friend of mine. Never been to a World Series game. That was exciting. So anyhow, on the show today, really good talk with uh, Gretchen Carlson. You know, Gretchen, as you know, was on Fox—I think Fox and Friends for years— And she had the $20 million lawsuit that was awarded to her against Roger Ailes. And that kind of started this whole, the latest, I guess, round of sexual harassment talk and kind of opened the floodgates to a lot of this, of what's going on in the past, I think, year and a half, two years. Had a real good talk with Gretchen. She has a book called Be Fierce, and she talks about this issue. And what I really like about the book is she actually not only recounts some of her experiences, especially as a young person coming up in business and that feeling of powerlessness that a lot of women go through. And it's not just in high profile jobs, you know, so much of it just doesn't get reported. And because people are in jobs where nobody's going to care, you know, if they say anything and they'll get fired if they say something, there's so much powerlessness in this issue. It's really ridiculous. But she also gives a prescription of things that women can do to, to, you know, protect themselves or at least give them a strategy in order to fight things. And I thought that was really cool. So we talk about that, talk about the book, a few things in that issue. As we know, it's the issue of the day. But I wanted to talk about this first, guys. Sometimes things in the news are just ridiculous. Sometimes, like all the time, right? So I'm looking at the news this morning, and I see that the NAACP is warning Black people about American Airlines. <laughs> now, God, this is one of those times I really wish I was doing the nightly show. This is so insane. And let me tell you why it's insane to me. They had four complaints. There were four complaints about American Airlines. What is the NAACP? Why are they addressing four complaints from black people about an airlines? First of all, an airline's job is to primarily be shitty towards its passengers. Sorry, that's what an airline's primary job is. Their secondary job is to get you from one place to the other. But their first job is to make the experience (laughs) as shitty as possible. But the fact that there were four complaints and the NAACP is using this organization to to go after American Airlines? Have they ever flown Spirit Airlines? By the way, the... Initial name of Spirit Airlines was take away your Spirit Airlines. Thank you very much. Always going after Spirit Airlines. Never, never drive an opportunity to do that. But what airline doesn't treat? When do people not get treated nicely on an airline? It happens with most airlines, you know. And, I, and, you know, I fly a lot. I've been treated horribly. I've been treated great. You know, it runs the gamut. But I never thought of going to the NAACP. I mean, it's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, not the National Association for the Advancement of Airline Passengers. It's not the NAAP, for Christ's sakes, you know. And while we're at it, NAACP, you might want to do a refresh on that name, you know. I mean, the advancement of colored people, how out of touch does it make you sound that you still have colored people in your title? I wrote a book a few years ago, a little plug from my book. Um, I'd rather be guy casinos than other black thoughts. where I had this runner about uh, trying to convince the NAACP to change their name. I thought they're out of touch. I suggested uh, chocolate people, because who doesn't like chocolate? You know, it was my suggestion. And then they didn't, wouldn't even have to change you know, their acronyms could still be the NAACP because that works. That part of it works. You know, but color people, we really need to move on. You know, chocolate people sounds a lot better to me or at least something. But here's the other thing, NAACP, focus, fucking focus. Look who's in the White House. Look at the things you should be concerned about. You, sh- you should not be concerned about people getting bumped out of first class. There is a president of the United States Who literally, you guys know the story, the widow of the sergeant who, you know, was in the special forces who died in in Niger last week. And uh, the horrible treatment that the president gave to this widow. I mean, he literally bumped her out of the first class treatment she deserves for the sacrifice her husband has given. That's that's the bumping out of first class. The NAACP should be focused on not an airline, for Christ's sakes. This issue still makes me mad. The president. It's so frustrating because, first of all, it's an issue that you would think that Republicans would be on the correct side of it because they have always been pro-military or have always shown that. But, I mean, everything from Trump bashing John McCain, saying, I don't like people who have been cut, uh, attacking the Gold Star family because they're a at the Democratic National Convention. And then the treatment of this woman, all he had to do was apologize to her. That's the thing that he can't do. All he had to do was say, look— I certainly did not intend to have the statement come across this way. Um, I apologize if I made her feel a certain way. What's wrong with apologizing and trying to give some comfort to this woman who just lost her man and the ultimate sacrifice for his country, right? But no, he's got to be an asshole about it and act like he's the one that deserves the attention, that he's the one. That has been aggrieved or that type of thing, you know, it comes across like he starts getting mad, you know, and he gets angry. And I wanted to talk about this issue real quick because it reminds me of of this Bill O'Reilly situation. You know, Bill O'Reilly has just come out. You know, he was fired last year by Fox after (sighs) Fox was shocked that there were (laughs) all these sexual harassment payments that went on at the time. What was it like? Fifteen million dollars or something like that. There were various sexual harassment suits. And just like in Casablanca, I'm shocked there's gambling going on in this institution. You know, Fox is shocked after they uh just signed O'Reilly to a $25 million contract, but then they fire him. But now it comes out, of course, that he had paid, now this settlement, the thir- he paid $32 million to a Fox employee, I believe himself. So here's what happens now. So now $32 million is coming out to silence somebody, you know, because that's what it's for. You're paying for someone's silence. And... Now, Bill O'Reilly is all angry that, <laughs> that this comes out and that we get to know about this. And what gets me is that uh, his anger, here's the thing. Whenever I see this type of thing, when you see abusers especially, when they get angry, I believe that that anger is an attempt to turn off our minds on common sense. Like, we're not supposed to have common sense now because he's angry. We're not supposed to believe that you just give $32 million to somebody and you haven't done anything. That's insane, you guys. What the fuck is he angry about? You know, he's got a lot of nerve. And I think there's a, an account in there that there may have been some gay porn that he sent her or something like that. That's what's being reported, right? Because right now there's confusion even with the journalists over whether he had an affair with, this, with the person involved and whether it was consensual or not. They're saying it may have been non-consensual, but then supposedly she signed something. So, some of that stuff seems a little fuzzy. The $32 million is not fuzzy at all. But this report about the gay porn kind of throws a whole different thing in there. Like, to me, it seems like, (laughs) like, that's the, that's what the $32 million is paying for, is to not have that information get out. Like, apparently, the no spin zone was allowing the juggling of balls in there like that was okay? <laughs> like, there's no spinning that goes that goes under that no spin zone. But the juggling of balls apparently was happening in there, and they don't want that information to get out, right? And now, you know, O'Reilly is, you know, he's so upset, he's blaming everybody, including God. You know, he's even upset at God. I think on the "What Would Jesus Do" checklist, apparently, wasn't to protect Bill O'Reilly's feelings in this, so he's mad at that. But for me, I just wanted to focus just for a second. On the anger, like when people who have done something wrong like this and the way that they use anger it 's just another means to shut people up, and you can always tell whether that 's righteous anger or non righteous anger because you know I feel non righteous anger is completely appropriate, but you can always tell non righteous anger because non righteous anger, especially from an abuser, is designed to shut you up it 's designed to stop dialogue it's it 's designed to get people to forget something, to let something go by because they want to get away with something. Righteous anger is the opposite. Righteous anger wants to shine light on something. It wants people to know about an issue. It wants oxygen for something, for people to, even when it's painful, they want people to know about it. That's what righteous anger is about. So you can always tell when this abuser anger, this non-righteous anger is out there because it's always trying to keep something in the dark. You know, so fuck him in his anger. I don't care how mad he is about something. We need to know everything about what's going on in here. And he doesn't need another job. He needs, to, he needs to shut up. And that's what kind of upset me about the whole NAACP thing, you know, to go back to that. You guys really need to think about what's happening in the world right now. Seriously, NAACP. I joke that instead of being the National Association for the Advancement of Airline Passengers, maybe it should be the National Association for the Awareness of the Abuse of Power. How about that? That's all I got to say today. All right. We have a, <laughs> a really, really nice conversation with Gretchen Carlson. She was very kind to include me in her book, by the way, spoiler alert. And I was very happy to be a part of it. So we'll be back with that conversation right after this. All right. Welcome back. Uh, I am here with a very special guest. I'm, I'm honored to have her here. I have to tell you, this issue, I think, is the foremost issue of our day, sexual harassment, sexual assault. And I'm here with uh, Gretchen Carlson, uh, who's the author of the book, Be Fierce. And you are fierce. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you for being here, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Thanks
1: thanks for having me. It's great to be out in LA on your turf. And, I know. You uh, know, you participated in the book with me, and I was really grateful about that. I was honored to be
0: asked. Um, I, I want to talk about that a little later, too, because that's a really, um, God, so much of this book is so important.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's looking at this book, just reading it, you, you're emotional from page one. Right. You know, anyone that reads this book, I mean, I'm close to it in, in certain ways just because I, I mean, we talked about this when we had our conversation, when your eyes open to everything that's going on around you that's hiding in plain sight, especially with sexual assault, let alone sexual harassment, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, as a human being, you can't be emotional about it mm-hmm. and can't be... Sensitive to it, you know, right, which is why to me it's shocking that this continues to be an issue. I can't understand. Well, that, it's because know.
1: of the cover ups, yes. I mean, look at the revelations that have happened, you know, as of late, right here yeah. in Hollywood with right. Harvey Weinstein. And you know, the yeah. idea that that could go on for 30 years and people never said anything about it, yeah, you know, speaks to, speaks volumes about. The immense levels right. to which cover-ups can occur,
0: and even when it is spoken about, nobody listens and nobody cares. Yeah, you know. Well,
1: until now, I actually really believe we're at a watershed moment. Yeah. Even since I wrote the book, and since I talked to you about the book, mm-hmm. and look what's happened.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting about the watershed moments because you wonder what's going to happen. One of the watershed moments you mentioned earlier in your book is you you recount the Anita Hill testimony, mm-hmm. which was the first big televised, I think, watershed moment. And it's weird going back to that, just remembering what that felt like. I mean, I don't know if she was accepted on either side of that debate. She was pretty much attacked on all sides, right. is, is my recollection of that.
1: Well, and as you recall, it was mm. an all-male Senate yes. committee. <laughs> right. um, I mean, the one good thing that came out of that is that more women ran for office directly yeah. thereafter. But that was so ironic for me because it was one of the first stories I covered, having mm-hmm. just gotten into the journalism field. Yeah, And I remember watching that and thinking, well, Of course she's telling the truth. Yeah. And then to see how she was treated and then to shortly thereafter be sexually harassed myself Mm -hmm. in the workplace. It was quite a few months for me there trying to digest exactly what she had gone through, Mm -hmm. how society had deemed her, and then having it happen to me.
0: Yeah. So at that time, when the Anita Hill testimony happened... um, you had not had that experience happen to you yet. It I happened, had had it yeah.
1: to happen twice to me okay. when I was at the end, tail end of my year as Miss America. Right. So shortly right before that. Then I went back to Stanford to finish my education. Mm-hmm. And then I got my first job in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. That's when I was watching her testimony. And mm-hmm. then that was the first time it happened to me in the workplace, per yeah. se.
0: Now, was that the incident with the cameraman you talk about yes. in the book? Yeah. Can, do you want to talk about that a little bit? because sure. I mean, you're so... Your book is called Be Fierce, but you're very brave, you know, recounting these things. Because one of the things that struck me was how, what happened... Well, you go ahead and talk about it, and I'll I'll chime in on what I'm thinking of. So
1: I was covering a story out in a rural part of the state of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And after we got done shooting the story, we got back into the news van for the long ride back to the station. And the cameraman started talking to me about how much I had enjoyed... Him touching my breasts when he uh. was putting the microphone on, and it and, went and it went from there.
0: And how long had you known this person? Did
1: I didn't know him at all. You just met I mean, him, right? I was a twenty-two-year-old novice. Right. I mean, I didn't know TV either. <laughs>
0: right. 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 <laughs> to
1: be honest with you, yeah. so there I was in this car. This is before cell phones, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering what the hell I do, and mm-hmm. I was scared to death. And I actually envisioned myself rolling out of the car in the passenger seat by opening oh, yeah. the door, like you see in the movies, mm-hmm. and wondering. I wonder how much that would hurt if I did that.
0: So, and the feeling you had, um, th- this is what I wanted to talk about, too, because a lot of people can't, th- they don't really think about what is the feeling that goes on in a woman when this type of thing happens. You felt claustrophobic in there like your life was in danger in some right. ways. Right, completely,
1: yeah. because I didn't know yeah. where the conversation was going from right. harassment to possible violence.
0: Yeah.
1: And also your whole all the self-confidence that you've built up for your Mm -hmm. entire life and thinking that you're being respected for your brain and your talents, Mm -hmm. it just seeps out of you at the quickest pace imaginable. Yeah. And all of your Mm self-respect and security leaves you in an instant. It's amazing how one instant like that can affect people for the rest of their lives. So we got back to the station and I was shaken like a leaf. And luckily, my male boss at the time uh-huh. kept approaching me and saying, "I know something's wrong with you. What happened?" And of course, I didn't want to tell him because this is what women do in the workplace. They yeah. don't. They don't want to be the troublemaker, the liar. the and, and <laughs> right, I mean, right. this is 25 years ago. Look where we've come. Not not a lot's changed yeah. until until now, I believe. But
0: and, and women were taught to just. Just take it and be a man. But like yeah, right. the analogy was be a be like a man and just take it, yeah. you know, or be strong. Or you can't strong, take a joke or, or it must have not been that joke. bad. Right, or are you right, sure right.
1: you didn't do something, you know, based on what you were wearing right. to, to, to bring it on? Right. Why were
0: your breasts in the way when I was <laughs> putting the microphone on you? Why didn't <laughs> you tell point. your breasts earlier to get out of the way? I, I right. know, exactly. <laughs> right. uh, I
1: mean, what I found out from researching my book and talking to thousands of women mm-hmm. is that it really doesn't matter what the hell you're wearing. Yes. It can be a skirt or army fatigues or hospital scrubs. Right. Uh, you know, it's not your fault. Yeah. What you have on. So, luckily, this boss kept kept pushing me, and I I finally did tell him uh-huh. what happened.
0: And he seemed uh, receptive. He to He seemed receptive. And mm-hmm. and
1: you know, of course, me being new, I said, please don't have this be the reason why you let him go, because right. I needed to survive in this newsroom. And this is the this is the quagmire that women find themselves in. Mm-hmm is you don't want to be labeled within the company then as, oh, she, she did that, you know? Right. I mean So this cameraman was eventually let go, and it was never made public as to, you know, my claims against him. And I don't uh-huh. really know. I think they probably had other things on him. Uh-huh. Um, but... You know, it's a a great lesson about what young people feel like when they're starting out in their careers, specifically Uh women, and whether or not they should come forward. Yeah. And so I lay out in the book, you know, this whole chapter on if you're going through this, Uh here's my playbook, here's my plan, so that you have guidance. Because currently women don't really have any guidance about how they should handle it. And they take it, they take it, they take it. And one day they just combust and they might file a complaint, but they don't have a plan.
0: Right. And, and did you feel like you were all alone at that time? Oh, is yeah, totally. Feeling? I mean, yeah. like,
1: I don't—I never even told my parents.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I
1: didn't tell my parents about the two sexual assaults that happened to me as Miss America either mm. until just recently. In fact, I didn't even really? call them assaults, Larry.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Because this is another thing women do is that, mm-hmm. and men too, I think, is that if you're a victim of something like that, you you push it down so far inside right. of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you don't call it what it really is because that's too painful. Right. So... You know it's like, oh well, I got through that and nobody knows about it and I'll just I'm stronger now and I'll just move on. Mm-hmm. And it was it's, actually it, somebody it, else that told me you realize that was assault.
0: Yeah. It's kind of conflating uh shame and denial, putting all those things as if a denying of shame and those feelings is what makes you strong, which it's the opposite. It's it's admitting that those feelings are going on in there mm-hmm. and what it's doing to you. Mm-hmm. And the it's the speaking of it that helps you move on, not the squashing of it. Right? right.
1: And it's the whole big reason for me writing Be Fierce and mm-hmm. put it in book form is for other people to feel empowered mm-hmm. to not stuff it down yeah, and to speak up. You know, one of my favorite quotes is that one woman can make a difference, but together we rock the world. Yeah. And if we can somehow inspire each other to speak up collectively, which mm-hmm. we're starting to see now.
0: Yeah. How important is it? I mean... I, it's got to be more important to get women women in these positions uh, at the top of these organizations or more at the table. Like there's that saying: if women aren't at the table, they're going to be on the menu. <laughs> you know, it's one of the unfortunately. Yes, exactly. You know, do you see more of that happening now at all? Or has not it, yet? Yeah. Now, what
1: I mean about the watershed moment and the tipping point is that more women are feeling the courage, courage and the bravery to put their names and their faces to, I was also harassed. The yeah. hashtag me too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, look at all those painful stories. On the one hand, it's so sad. But on the other hand, I yeah. see the positive in that women aren't going to be shamed to keep quiet anymore. Right. Now, whether or not we get more women in executive positions in the workplace, yeah. that's that's a whole other big issue. But but obviously, I think the, the more women that we have in higher positions, the yeah. less that this happens. Yeah. I interviewed uh, an a, um, international cosmetic company, Human resources department head. And he said to me, You know, we're 70% women across the world Uh in our company. And we have very progressive ways in which women can report sexual harassment. Uh He said, But here's the thing we don't really have reports. And I said, Well, why is that? And he said, Well, we believe it's because we have 70% of our workforce uh-huh. as women. Right. I mean, so so there you have the simple key. More, more women in the workplace, right. less sexual harassment. Duh. Yes. <laughs> you know? So I guess that proves that if you had women at higher levels, that this activity wouldn't be accepted.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting, too, like, I've been noticing how much the power dynamic of uh, Uh, Comes to play in this, like especially in in, uh, professions where it's so stark, like showbiz, like politics, like uh, even in the the tech industry is going through that right now. It's kind of like the Wild Wild West. Oh
1: my gosh. Yes. You know, because
0: there's a lot of money to be made in a short amount of time. This creates power dynamics. And it's 80% men. And it's 80% men. Can you talk about that? How how that type of situation lends itself to this type of activity, you know? Mm -hmm. know? Well,
1: I think that the college environment has a lot to do with Mm -hmm. how we're socializing our men especially Uh into coming into the workplace and, you know, the whole sort of frat mentality yes, and the way right. in which we're training know, them to training act them to be way, awful. Yeah. I mean, I hate right. to say it. I don't want to pick on the Greek system, but yeah. it's one of the reasons I'm doing a college campus tour with the book, because I feel it's just really mm-hmm. important to get to people young. If we start teaching them this or trying to teach an old dog new tricks in the forties and fifties, forget it. Yeah. They've already established who they are as people and whether or not they respect women. Yeah. So, you know, Assault on college campuses is rampant. One in five women will face it. Mm. I have a son and a daughter. I, you know, the idea that they're going to be approaching college and knowing that I could be that parent too. I mean, it's essential that we give them the tools Mm -hmm. early on to know how to show respect. Yeah. So I think that when you're in a male-dominated field, like tech, maybe we're just carrying over sort of those beliefs and socialization from college and it's accepted because there aren't that many women to stand up and say, stop it. And by the way, when they do, look what happens. I mean, Susan Fowler from Uber had the courage to be able to come forward. Um, and she really changed the landscape at at that company. And eventually Mm -hmm. the CEO was, was ousted, you know, but it was the corporate culture. Again, it should be mandatory that, that tech companies have as many female employees as as males. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, we're encouraging our young women to go into these fields. I mean, yeah. the STEM fields are on fire at my daughter's school right now. And so on the one hand, while we're encouraging them to be interested in science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering, and math, why are we not hiring them yeah. in those fields? I mean, what, what happens? Are the women... Are they just not as good as the male applicants? I find that hard to believe.
0: Yeah, there's kind of a snottiness in that area. But there's a snottiness in any... I, I feel like in any area where there's a lot of money to be made in a short amount of time, you know, there's a certain culture of men that are just going to get there first.
1: It's so true. You know,
0: and it's like everybody else, good luck. Why do you think? What do you think is the biggest reason why women aren't listened to? Because I feel like they're not listened to in many areas... Of society, I mean, you talk about just even in the boardroom, how a woman says something, nothing, you know, guys, <laughs> says the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant, Johnson. How'd yeah. you come up with uh, that? You know? I, it,
1: it's prevalent everywhere. Yeah. But even look at advertising and, and how stupid companies have been over the years. Women make the decisions in the household, by the way, for the most part. Right. When you're buying a car. Uh, when you're buying any other big ticket item, and it's only yeah. been recently that even car companies have been savvy enough to realize maybe we should be marketing to the <laughs> to the females, right? Right?
0: I mean, right there right. was an
1: Audi commercial during the Super Bowl this year, which was all about female empowerment. It made me cry actually. Mm-hmm. It was about a dad with his daughter.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, and those always I, make me cry. I'm I, such a softie. I in those know well, me too. And I actually yeah. learned that from
1: my dad. My dad was yeah. a softie in the family. Um, and 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 so you, you know, people were like, well, why would they do that kind of commercial? Well, because women, are the ones that are making these big ticket item decisions for the mm-hmm. most part. So, you know, advertising slowly but surely figuring out, oh, we should cater to women. And by the way, if I ever go into a store mm-hmm. and my husband and I are buying something together and the salesperson doesn't acknowledge me or pay any attention to me, right. I'm out. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i out. And that's what more women should do. If you're already disrespected the minute you walk in the door, yeah. forget it. Um, now, within the corporate culture, I mean, how how do we encourage men to hire more women Uh because as long as men predominantly run the fortune 500 companies at 94% Uh we've got to encourage them to help us and that's why I wrote the whole chapter that you're featured in men who defend in be fierce because what I found Larry was that there are so many great men out there like yourself
2: well thank you
1: are already Uh doing good work Uh and want to support women So we need to encourage them even more so to put women in higher positions, Mm -hmm. to pay them the same that we pay men, to give them a seat in the boardroom, to give them that deserved promotion. And the whole idea of sexual harassment and fixing it shouldn't just be on the shoulders of women. This is actually a man problem for the most part.
0: Yeah, men need to fix this. It's like the real way to fix it is stop doing it.
2: Right. It's
0: like there are all these band aids in it, you know, that go around the simplicity of just stop harassing. Right. Stop assaulting.
1: Right. But here's mm. how else good men can help. Right. We need to encourage them to also join the Be Fierce movement to stop being enablers, yes. first and foremost. What
0: is the, okay, tell me, when you say enabler, what is the, the, the biggest way that you see enabling happening out there. I, I want to explain well, this a little so, bit so more. So you hear, some, you hear
1: uh-huh. a, a nasty comment about a woman, uh, whether it's to her face or not, yeah. in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And you just go, oh, isn't that funny? Yeah. And instead of saying, you know, I'd really appreciate if you didn't speak that way about women. Mm-hmm. Okay? That stops it cold.
0: Yeah. The other Because one, it takes a man to say that. Because yes. if a woman says, don't do that, they're like, oh, that's just another. Right. Op. Oh, right. What, what a B right you right know?
1: but if a man says it that's like actual putting the shame in the right place where it belongs back mm-hmm. on the harasser yeah if you don't say anything you normalize it yeah and so then over time the tenor within a corporation what becomes normal is saying that crap about women
0: yeah and i would argue that it's already normal and so we have to i i believe men have to have what i call active listening where we can't wait for the worst thing to happen to hear something, you know that you have to actively listen to what's going on and the, and be proactive in stopping it because it actually is normal out in society and mm-hmm. has been normal. Like when people, I hate the argument of, well, this is how. I, this is what it was like when I was younger. You oh, know, God. Like, that's such <laughs> BS. The old boys club argument, right? Ugh. Or that type of thing. I was a of product
1: thing. of the 60s and the 70s. Right. You know? I thought
0: there was a greatest generation back there. That was a very rapey generation, that greatest generation, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs>
1: well, mm-hmm. you know what? That's just a total cop-out when, yeah. when people say that. I mean, that's what Harvey Weinstein said. I was a product oh, of the 60s and 70s. Oh, he's got a lot and and of nerve, 70s. yeah. I mean, Please. I mean, I can go. Right. We can go back to the 1800s when people weren't disrespecting the way in which he even began to disrespect yeah. women, allegedly. So, uh, yeah. So that's it's a great point what you're saying, Larry, about that that you know men need to proactively be out there in front of it. But imagine how you mm-hmm. change the power paradigm in a company mm-hmm. if the man goes from being enabler or even bystander to ally. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm really promoting in the book is. Can men find the same amount of courage it takes for women to come forward, for men to come forward on their behalf? Right. Because I hate to say it, if you as a woman are being sexually harassed and you have a man who is your ally, mm-hmm. it's going to make a huge difference in that company culture if the man defends you than if just another woman defends you. Right. It's the power still of the man saying, I saw it, it was unacceptable, and I'm defending her. hmm you know, imagine that. And so what I advocate for in the book is that 98% of companies have sexual harassment training now, but a lot, a lot of that is cover-your-ass facade, Yeah, you know, for litigious reasons. It's to prevent for,
0: being sued it more is. than to prevent a woman from being sexually exactly. harassed.
1: Exactly. Right. That's it in a nutshell. So what we should include in that training is more emphasis on bystander training. Uh-huh. You know, how do we teach employees and give them the tools— to develop the courage to come forward on behalf of someone else. And imagine also if the tone was set from the top down so that the people running companies would actually have meetings with employees and say, this is unacceptable in this workplace. And if it happens, I want to be the first one to know. And by the way, we will celebrate people Mm -hmm. who come forward. We won't malign them. I mean, that might be a great place to work.
0: It would be. I mean, uh, that would be fantastic. It seems like the culture... I don't know if it's in this country or if it's just in the world that the – I'll call it the snitch culture, you know, of how people that come forward are always, you know, put in a negative light. And mm-hmm. that's been for – Forever. Yes, but for almost any issue. Like that person – God, the the word uh, left me right now. But Whistleblower. Yes, the whistleblower. The whistleblower has always been viewed negatively. Mm-hmm. Look at in the
1: tobacco industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, we could go down the line about yeah. how those, you know, those people are – viewed by heroes as some yeah and and negatively from within
0: and what's interesting is how the whistleblower always gets punished mm-hmm. you know and in this issues you talk about in your book also where almost every instance and there are there are some exceptions when the woman comes forward and deals with this issue she's the one that's let go yeah like she's the problem
1: mm-hmm. right so mm. This is what I really believe we need to try to change, and why I'm working so hard on Capitol Hill.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Part
1: of the reason companies are able to get away with that is because much of the proceedings with sexual harassment cases are secret.
0: Yes, I believe that's a huge. It's a huge, huge part of it. Yeah.
1: So companies came up with this brilliant idea to put into employment contracts something called an arbitration clause,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. People don't even know they have
2: these. Yeah. And
1: when I do big forums, Larry, I'll ask the audience, do you know if you have an arbitration clause? Mm-hmm. And no hands go up. Yeah. But most people do because they're in everything. They're, when we sign up for a phone service,
0: right. there's an arbitration so clause. So explain explicitly what an arbitration clause okay, is. Okay. So
1: what it is, it's forced mm-hmm. arbitration, which means you basically are giving up your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process if mm-hmm. you find yourself in a dispute at work. Right. Now, nobody expects define themselves there. I know yeah, I Yeah, so
0: you just go, oh, whatever. You go whatever. Right.
1: Well, I did raise some questions actually about it. But uh, most people wouldn't know what it is. Yeah. And even if they did say, you know what, I don't want this clause, (laughs) then the the employer would just say, well, we'll move on to the next person to hire them.
0: Yes. It's almost like a a prenup, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you want a prenup. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't get married. How about that?
1: So here's what happens. Hypothetically, you're sexually harassed at work. You have an arbitration clause. Mm -hmm. You file a complaint. Nobody knows about it. Right. You get a date for arbitration where the company gets to pick your arbitrator. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, You do not get to introduce the same amount of witnesses or have the same types of depositions as in open court. Hmm. Uh, Only 20% of the time does the employee win, and there are no appeals. And by the way, the people deciding these things, the arbitrators, are retired judges and lawyers from an era that may not have a great understanding of sexual harassment. Yeah. Okay? So, and the biggest thing is, it's a secret chamber. Yeah. So nobody ever knows what happens to you. The woman's fired. And guess what? The man gets to stay working in the company like it, nothing ever happened. I
0: have to tell you, just reading about some of these things, you know, not having real, really been in corporate America, I mean, being in showbiz, I guess it is corporate in that sense. But, you know, when you're on the creative side, you don't deal with a lot of, of what that feels like. But this whole, um, this arbitration and the non-disclosure agreements, it feels like a extortion in some ways, or it feels like, you know, you get paid off. To let a man get away with something. 100%. Is what it feels like. Yeah, to me. And
1: so that companies don't have their dirty laundry being exposed yeah. out into the public. So here's mm-hmm. what I'm doing on Capitol Hill to try and get rid of this. Great. I am working on getting a bill co-sponsored by a Republican and a Democrat, because that's the only way it's going to get done.
0: And by the way, this is a nonpartisan issue. It <laughs> is. <laughs> you know, thank you. It is so nonpartisan. It's so nonpartisan. Yes.
1: Look at what's been happening in the news. I yeah. mean, you have harassers who are from both parties and you have victims who are from both parties. And nobody asks you what political party you're in before they do it. Yeah. So everyone should care. Everyone who has a mom a daughter, a niece, a granddaughter, a friend who happens to be female, uh-huh. everyone should be concerned about this issue.
0: Yeah. And I would argue just being a human being, even 100 percent, even if you've never heard of the word female. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes. you should
0: know as a human being, there's a truth to not do these horrible things to people. Right. Yeah.
1: So I already have Democrats on my side because they tend to be already lobbying to get rid of arbitration clauses. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for just baby steps because I know that's the only way that I'm going to get bipartisan support.
0: What is the biggest resistance on the Republican side?
1: Well, because uh, Republicans in general terms would be more aligned with big business. Mm -hmm. And so... They would worry that somehow, you know, business secrets would now be flying all over the place if we didn't have these non-disclosures, mm-hmm. and you know. But listen,
0: better to protect big business than women being well, raped and, and assaulted.
1: That that's my and argument. Harassed, and by right. the way, arbitration clauses were never intended to handle issues like sexual harassment. They've they've been they've been used for companies to be able to say they don't have any issues like mm-hmm. sexual harassment. So they're being abused in that sense. So. Here's what I'm trying to do, baby steps. Just take the secrecy out of it. Right. Just help me along and take the secrecy out. Because you know what that does within the corporate culture, Larry? That, First of all, that makes women know that they're not alone. Uh Right. Other women may then come forward. And also, the power pendulum completely shifts. If somebody who's in power is way up here, right, and they know that any claim against them is going to be secret, they feel pretty powerful.
0: Absolutely. But
1: the minute that you you know take away that secrecy and you elevate the employee to have a voice, mm-hmm. wow, that changes the dynamic and makes it a safer work environment. Yeah,
0: it puts shame where it rightly belongs 100%. on the person who committed the crime right. rather than on the victim. Well,
1: it might even stop them from harassing to begin with if they knew that they were going to actually be held accountable for yes. it.
0: Yes, exactly. So this mm. is what I'm really It's called a deterrent. I, <laughs> yes. We have deterrents in every other aspect of the law except this one. Too
1: bad we couldn't carry around like a little bit of a laser deterrent. When, when, yeah. Whenever you're sexually harassed, you could zing somebody.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're open up a whole other thing. <laughs> Anyway. Um, Vigilante uh, justice. Yeah, uh, That's just, her next book. Just made me yeah. think about that. <laughs> so, so
1: I'm working really hard on Capitol Hill to try and get this uh, accomplished. Here's, here's my mm-hmm. goal, Larry. I know you're going to love this.
0: Oh, good. I so, can't wait.
1: Okay, so. So let's say that we get this bipartisan bill co-sponsored by a Republican and a, and a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Let's say in my you know best case scenario, it passes. And then where does it end up? It ends up on President Trump's desk.
0: Great. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> so
1: what would he do with it? I would love to see how that would be handled. Yeah. Because the last time I checked, women elected him into office. Mm-hmm. Both parties need the female vote.
0: Women were that you're saying women put them over the uh, oh, top. Oh yeah, they did.
1: Fifty three percent. Right.
0: What does that say about our country, really? I mean, that's the most ironic thing that here you have the sexual assaulter in chief. You know, I mean, because he didn't just joke about sexual harassment, he joked about sexual assault. Yes. You know, and he joked about it as something that he, uh, God, this is uh, uh, it. Uh, just saying it just makes me angry, you know. But he joked about it as something that he actually did. He didn't even propose it as something to do or like this crazy joke. Oh, I'm just joking. He didn't even say, it, I'm just kidding. He said it as something that he actually has done.
1: Right. Because he's famous and because right. he can.
0: Yes, exactly. Right? Because he's powerful, yeah. I
1: mean, there's so much to digest from that Access Hollywood tape. I mean, let me start with... Billy Bush, like speaking of enablers and bystanders, that's
0: a classic example. Classic example. If, yeah. if
1: if he would have had the courage to just say, you know, I really, I really wish you wouldn't speak like, my, you know, about my colleague like that, yeah. about my female colleague, it would have ended it. Right. I'm not saying it would have stopped Donald Trump from saying it to somebody else later on, but in that scenario, it would have ended it. But more importantly, was what Trump was saying, and. Yeah. I took that as a teachable moment for my kids, Larry, because mm-hmm. even though it was pretty raw and rebald, I wanted my kids to listen to that. Yeah. Because I wanted them, it was personal for me at this point, that came out after my story broke and uh Trump had defended my alleged perpetrator. And I wanted my kids to know that this is not how you treat a human being.
0: Yeah. Now, I can say Roger Ailes, that's who you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And uh Absolutely. The the man running for the highest office, his wingman, here is Roger Ells, you know, um, who led a culture of this sexual harassment, sexual assault. I mean, we're hearing so, so much about it now. It's insane. What's up with Fox News? Seriously, Gretchen.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could... Say I mean, everything. I, this is part of this is yes. part of the problem of settlements, too, is that they, right. they gag women from saying the details. I mean, if people want to see my complaint, they can find it online. You can you can read I all about it. But, w- but, but what does it say about let me let me speak in general terms about companies covering up. Yes. The lengths at which companies will go to protect harassers over a long period of time and cover it up and shut up the victims
2: mm-hmm. and
1: fire all these women and put them out to pasture is outrageous. Mm hmm. The idea that we're now starting to hear about it, though, more than we were before, is positive to me. I'm optimistic about that. As horrific as the allegations are and what the women had to go through, I feel now like we're only going to see more of this. It's not just Hollywood, and it's not just TV. It's everywhere.
0: Well, you would hope that—you know, it's funny that people that have a position like yourself or actors or— even athletes, they get criticized for speaking up because people act like they're always speaking for themselves. In some cases they are, but also they get to be a voice for other people. But those are the people that we need to speak up because you know, the waitress working at a restaurant or somebody working in a factory, Nobody, nobody's really listening to them. You That's know. why I wrote the book. Yeah, you need powerful people to speak up for the powerless. Right,
1: because what happened, Larry, was that I started hearing from thousands of women across the country after my story broke, and they were from every walk of life. Yeah, They were waitresses, they were teachers, they were members of our military, they were accountants, they were lawyers. It made me realize that this is an epidemic. Yeah, And one question that I kept getting was, how do you help the single mom Uh working two jobs, raising kids, and trying to make ends meet, and being sexually harassed. What do you do for her? And it really bothered me. I had a lot of sleepless nights over that. Uh So I'm proud to let you know that I've set up the Gift of Courage Fund, where I'm financially supporting organizations that empower women and girls. But on top of that, I'm kicking off next month the Gretchen Carlson Leadership Initiative for Underserved Women. Uh It's a nine-city tour. They get to come to three days of workshops to learn about domestic violence, sexual harassment, get legal advice yeah. and learn how to have their voice back civically and politically. It's a step in the right direction mm-hmm. to help women who didn't have the resources that I had or the public face to be able to put this out there.
2: Right.
1: And if if I can do anything to give them a head start to have a voice on this then I wanted to make sure that I did. And the book is dedicated to all of those women who told me, quite honestly, every single one of them, we felt like we never had a voice. Thank you for being our voice.
0: Yeah, it really is extraordinary. You know, one of the chapters I found the most valuable was, I think it's chapter four, You Have the Right. And I thought what was interesting about that chapter, i had never, well, maybe I haven't read it a lot on this subject, so, but, um, But I never hear much talk about what are the prescriptions, the practical prescriptions for women to follow in the workplace. And if you don't mind, I wanted to go through some of these points. And if you want to elaborate on them or just talk a little bit about them, because – and people, you should read this book and go through it in general. But let's just hit these real Mm -hmm. – just in a general sense, just so – women know that if you're reading a book like this, and men too, I think men should read this too, to see, look at all this a woman has to go through mm. just to be even, <laughs> you Thank know, you. just to be even for Christ's sakes, you know, you know? and these are prescriptions that. that you're, some of them are to kind of their, um, in case something happens is mm-hmm. too, like the first one is eyes wide open. So, so what do you mean by that?
1: So what I mean by that is you really need to know what your company policies are, when you're starting out when a, you're starting job, out regarding uh, sexual harassment right. uh, you know what's the policy what's the correct order in which you file a complaint and mm-hmm. you, you don't want to muck it up because you didn't follow the procedure correctly however later on in my tips i say you know that the most important thing is to consult an attorney first before yes, you do anything if so i'm happens. kind of going to the end of it but actually it's crucial that you even just spend 10 minutes on the phone with an employment lawyer. Many will just take your call and not charge you and just give you, you know, listen to you to see, do you have a case? It's complicated because there are statute of limitations that are different in every state. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some states it's only 180 days.
2: Yeah.
0: You know,
1: it takes so much courage for women to come forward in general. The idea that they're going to actually come forward and be, make a complaint in that amount of time is mm-hmm. crazy.
0: So should women, when they're going into a job like this, even before anything happens, are you suggesting they should do this kind of research just to know what their what their rights are? Yeah. With well, them? first of all,
1: you know, see if you have an arbitration clause. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping to be able to fix that problem for you with the work that I'm doing sure. in Congress. Uh, but, but you but, shouldn't
0: wait for something to happen, as well. No, saying. you
1: shouldn't wait. Right. No, what What I advocate for women is take this chapter four mm-hmm. and and print it off or. Rip it out of the book and put it in your back pocket. Right. Because this is actually your guidebook. Yes. You know, for if you ever... And this is not just for sexual harassment, by the way. This is for racial indecency or anything else that you yeah. find yourself facing in the workplace yeah. about how to document, which is number two.
0: Document problems. Document, okay. document,
1: that, document, document, document. What,
0: okay. What are the ways in which you can do that? Because that feels very important. And it's what people are... Are left if they don't have that. It's one of the weakest things. You know, it makes their case the weakest if they don't have evidence. Right. But many times things just happen. Somebody says a passing statement, and it's your word against okay, theirs. Okay. So what you do with okay. that
1: is you write down in a journal. Okay. On November fourth, two thousand seventeen. This is what happened to me. Here's where it was. Here's who said it. Here's who witnessed it. If there was somebody else, yeah. um, you know, you you. Do it immediately so that you don't forget.
0: Okay, so immediately when something happens, even if you don't tell someone, mm-hmm. you which, document Which it. you suggest you should too. Mm-hmm. You document it, write it down somewhere. Actually, computers good because the date automatically goes in. I think
1: true. But documents. send it, so, it to yourself send and it then, to yourself. but make sure it's going home. Yeah. The biggest piece of advice is make sure you keep your documentation at home. Right. I talked to countless women who were fired eventually, right, for complaining, and they couldn't go back to their offices. It was on their work computer. It was at their work computer, yes. or they were keeping binders of stuff, right. you know, in a safe at work. That's not the place to keep it. Right. You, you got you to do it at home. So document, document, document. And I give examples in the book of exactly yes. how, how, how to, to do, do that. how to do that specifically. Um, take offense. I mean, you need to... You need to be on record as having said to the harasser, don't ever speak to me that way ever again.
0: Okay. Let's slow down for a second. You need to be on the record. Okay. Mm So
1: with that person and maybe in front of others. And then also in your documentation on December 12th, 2018, I responded back to him after he said this such and such.
0: And that's like, please don't do that. Yeah, but but you need, because
1: one of the things that you learn in sexual harassment Mm -hmm. training is if you haven't really ever said anything to the harasser, then it's kind of your fault. Yeah. So as long as we're currently in that kind of way of approaching it, you know, make sure that you have said something to try and shut it down.
0: But this is a difficult area, I know, for women, because you even talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, even you growing up, uh, women want to, many times women want to please as opposed to make hay, you know, or... Or make conflict, you know, that there are many times, especially in the workplace, they don't want to cause waves is what I meant to say, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is this can be a very difficult one for someone, especially if they're young, they're in a company, a guy says something, they feel like if they say something negative, even if it's just, no, I don't want you to touch me on the shoulders right. when you do that, mm-hmm. that that can, that can be difficult, right? It can.
1: But, you know, when yes. I've been speaking to college-age kids… Mm-hmm. One of the things I say is women just have to stop being so damn nice. And yes. all, they all applaud.
0: Yes. So women have to stop being so damn, damn nice. nice. That's the name of your next book. Yes. I guess. Yes. Because,
1: yes. you know, we're, we're socialized to be that way. But I actually have more hope in our millennials and, and oh, those too. You know, coming after them. Where oh, they're not they, kidding around. They're not kidding around. And they, yeah. they actually feel so much more empowered to speak up and stand up and have a voice. So, right. yeah. So, I mean, you know, simple things like stop staring at me. Um, don't rub my shoulders. Mm-hmm. That's offensive. That's not... Listen, I can think of a hell of a lot worse things I could say to somebody. Sure. These are just direct statements mm-hmm. that you can say in an even keeled voice, you know. And you just want to make sure that you are on record as as saying that. Okay, okay. Um, tell people you trust. This okay, is really yes. hard. It's hard. This is a tough one. But right? I would recommend trying to tell at least one male trusted colleague, as we discussed earlier.
0: Now, is it is it better to tell someone who works there or to tell like a friend? Or does it? Does it um, matter? Is one probably preferable over the yes, other? Yes,
1: somebody who works there. Somebody who works there. Yeah, a male colleague that works there. Yes, and then I would. Well, and then if you only want to tell another female colleague, I would try to tell at least two colleagues mm-hmm. because you want to be on record. Is again, it's part of the documentation. Yes. You know, this person came to me and said that this happened because on such and such a date.
0: Eventually, someone's going to say, "How come you didn't say anything?" Exactly. Why speak up, right? And
1: and so again, here you have somebody who will, you know, speak up on your behalf. All right, number yes. five is a very interesting one, which is. Tape interactions, yes. dot dot dot. That's if you can, so eleven states it's illegal to one party consent tape record. Meaning that if you and I were having this conversation, uh-huh. and I was,
0: we're actually recording the wanted you to know. I know
1: you're recording, <laughs> it. but let's say that we were in the workplace, <laughs> right. okay? And and I was in a meeting, yes. and I had pressed record on my phone, and you didn't know it, okay? That would be only one party consent because I know it, but you don't. Okay. Okay. In the majority of states, that's okay to actually do, but in eleven, it's illegal, and in California, it's a felony. Mm-hmm. So you need to look up the laws in your state. For example, in New York, you can do this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which you know can be very helpful in being able to collect evidence that you may need.
0: And that's having a conversation in person, or having a or taping a phone conversation. Either one. Because aren't those are different rules though, right?
1: Uh, well, I think on the phone, it's still one party consent. Okay. for For uh, um, yep, again, you have to look in your own
0: particular Just see, state. What the law is, yeah, right. see what the law is. Yeah, see what the law is.
1: But it's a, in this day and age, with the simplicity of being able to record, I mean, it's, if you can be in that situation, um, it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I was just meeting with a woman yesterday who, uh, her story's in my book as well. She's from California. She worked at a Spanish television station. She recorded the encounters that were outrageous. But mm-hmm. guess what? In California, she can't present it as evidence. Wow. So, the judge is still deciding whether or not he or she will overturn that. Yeah. But this is what you're up against with mm-hmm. laws that that don't help women who are in these They're situations. They're not designed to help you. Um, okay. Know the policies. Know the policies make yeah. it official. Um, well, and these are where I'm 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 actually. Uh, uh, proposing some more pro- pro- progressive ways in which companies should handle these complaints, and okay. not necessi- not necessarily just have human resources handle them.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's just pause for a second there. Uh, human resources. Like, that is such an oxymoron for, I mean, nothing about <laughs> nothing about those two words has anything to do with with what actually human resources does and the obstacle that that is for women in this situation. Can we yeah. just talk about human resources? I
1: know. And let me preface it by saying that um, since I've been talking a lot about this, I've heard from a lot of great human resources people who sure, actually absolutely. Have, have told sure me that they are. do want to help. Yes, completely. But, but okay, let's just envision this scenario. Uh, In the human resources department are former assistants of uh, high-ranking people in the company who are harassers. Yeah. Are you going to feel comfortable going there to report? So the way I describe it in the book is if that person is signing your paycheck, then where are your loyalties going? Mm -hmm. They're going to the boss. They're not going to the employee who comes to complain. So I believe there's an inherent conflict of interest Mm -hmm. in filing these types of complaints in-house. So I put together a couple of ideas where you could appoint an, an ombudsman who could be an independent contractor of sorts with a uh, a, a secret hotline or, or confidential hotline where women and men facing this would know that the complaint is not going into the system of the company where yeah. they
0: are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also... Um, it's part of it. That kind of deals with your proposed legislation, too. And right. The effort to make these public... You know, mm-hmm. and the threat of the publicity of it, too. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then also one other thing I would just advocate for is, as I think I said it earlier, with the sexual harassment training, to to turn that around and give more training on how to not be a bystander. Yes. You know, how right. to encourage people. So that that's part of the process of what I mean by that um, point. And I give an example of um, a letter that if eventually you do have to go to human resources because that's the only way in which your mm-hmm. company allows these things to be reported, I give an example of a letter... That you should write. I mean, right. It's extensive. No, um, yeah, it's Just, very just good to though. help people.
0: There's a lot of good info in there. Okay, now, then avoid, avoid traps. Avoid traps. Please explain that, because that one's. The, I'm not sure if I understand that.
1: Well, so sometimes these uh, situations are not handled correctly. So the example I give under this number eight is that when a woman went to complain in a school setting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the about a, another teacher who was bothering her as a teacher. The principal said, Well, why don't we just get the two of you together and try and resolve it? No, mm. that's a trap. Yeah. Okay?
2: <laughs> right. You do
1: not say okay to that kind of a meeting uh-huh. because that's equalizing the harasser with the victim, uh-huh. putting you in a room and saying, Let's hash this out. Well, wait a minute. As the victim, you don't you don't have anything to hash out. This is something that this person did right. to you. So avoid traps where you get put into a situation where suddenly you're acknowledging that it's a fifty fifty deal, yeah. and that you know you lose a lot of power when you do that, mm-hmm. so don't don't do that um document any retaliation is is number nine I mean yeah, it's the undersold part of sexual harassment is the it retaliation that happens
0: completely mm-hmm. and part of uh, that is a vicious one, mm-hmm. you know some of the retaliation is public too. I mean, not to bring up your old employer again, but bringing up a uh, Megan Kelly actually this morning. Uh, gave a very emotional, just reaction to the whole Bill O'Reilly thing, where apparently he paid thirty-five million dollars or thirty-two million dollars. I mean, Gretchen, it was somehow that is so ridiculous. I mean, that and as one person, one person, thirty-five million—that's not a nuisance uh, payment, you know. And that—that that is so insidious. When you hear that number, I mean, people have to be so outraged at that number and the fact that Fox would hire him after that and throw money at him. But not only that, and she only touched on this, but the effort within that organization to be negative against people, you know, who were speaking out against. Uh,
1: it's the crystal clear example yeah. of what women face. It's not just happening there. Yeah, This is the culture that we live in of covering up, which is, Unbelievable. Do we not respect women more to want to stop this? Yeah. I mean, I think the more we talk about it, though, again, the more we give it publicity and say how outrageous it is. And by right. the way, let me just comment on that because I feel like the idea that any company would re sign a contract with somebody who had been dismissed mm. for those kinds of egregious allegations is horrifying. Yeah. And what's more outrageous? would be to invite that person back on the air a month ago. Yeah. Supposedly knowing Yeah, to peddle what his wares. Yeah, of and, course and they know. here's the third thing. Absolutely. The women in those settlements can't respond back. Right. Because they've been muzzled. Yeah. Which is a huge separate part of the issue. Aside from forced arbitration, we've decided to settle predominantly cases of sexual harassment by paying women in settlements And that means they can also never talk about it.
0: But he talks about it because he says that this isn't true. It's all this. So he's libeling those women. He's calling them liars. Mm -hmm. And they can't respond. Yes, but how come he gets to respond? Yes, how come he gets to say all those things, but they can't say anything?
1: 100%. He just posted a a thank you letter that I wrote him on his website today
0: Uh
2: to try,
1: I guess, to, I'm not sure to prove what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he posted some from Megyn Kelly too.
0: Right, I mean, these this, are liars. How could they thank me for something? Uh-huh. You know. L-
1: listen, what women do to stay alive within a company? Yeah, you'll do anything to, for the most part to just hope that it goes away. Yeah, right. Yes, and so
0: hoping that it will stop. And Eita Hill even talks about that, thinking yeah. that it stopped. You know, and thinking that she was conflicted because she actually liked the guy. Outside of the, the creepy sexual stuff, right? Which sounds bizarre, mm-hmm. but she kind of admired what he, you know, what he did and everything, and that was kind of the conflict. When you're in that middle ground, when it's blatant, it's easy to see that this is horrible. It's that middle ground that's a little messy. Mm-hmm. But, but again, too, it speaks
1: yeah. to what women go through within these company cultures, where yes. they're just trying to keep their jobs,
0: just trying to keep their. jobs. And so, right.
1: yeah, you write a thank you note to a powerful person, right? Because. You're just trying to stay alive within the, within the corporate culture. Right. So, I don't care how many thank you notes you post. It doesn't change I agree. it doesn't change the reality of what may be happening to a woman.
0: I agree. Yeah, that's not evidence that you didn't do something wrong. Thank you. You know. Uh, yeah. So
1: anyway, so then our, the rest of our points uh, we get back yes. to to you know, make sure that you understand right. um, how you can potentially sue again in every state it's different but you you can have a federal option which is going to the EEOC. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. Again, this is why at the end I say uh, consult a lawyer because that's really the most important thing to do first,
0: right? Um, I love your title too. What's the um, the best way that we all can be fierce? Why'd you choose the word fierce? What do you mean by that when you say that? Because I, I, you know, I'm a writer and I mm-hmm. love just breaking down words. Like why yeah. do, why are you choosing those words? Fierce. What because is it about I, that that attracted you? I yeah.
1: actually feel like fierce is a positive motivator for women
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the 21st century. Yeah, that. It's positive for us to be fierce. Yes. It's not a negative. Right. And if somebody thinks that that makes us a B, I don't really care. Yeah, good you know, Somebody, it. Some sexist person said to me after they saw the title of the book, they were like, hey, your next book should be Be Kind. And I was like, okay, because I already set up the Gift of Courage Fund and I'm empowering women through these other the Gretchen Carlson leadership and uh-huh. I, I am already kind like it's been a huge part of my life <laughs> to give back right, right? And, and I'm continuing to do that so do you have a problem with fierce uh-huh. so what I want women to know is that being fierce is a positive and it's how we should wake up every morning it's on this bracelet that's on my arm that I remind myself every day to be fierce to stand up to speak up to feel empowered about any injustice that you're facing in your life. It's not right. just sexual harassment. It starts in elementary school when you're bullied. Mm-hmm. It moves on to college campuses when you're raped, Yeah, when you're not paid fairly. And this, this is also true for any other minority group in America, transgenders, mm-hmm. race, any of this. Yeah. This book applies to... Getting the fierceness within your heart to be able to speak up and have a voice.
0: Yes, and for the rest of us not to be innocent bystanders, but to be active allies, I think, in this. Which you are, and thank you so much for
1: participating in the book because. You, when you had your show you really talked a lot about my case and yeah. and I just have to tell you that during my darkest days <laughs> yes. you made me laugh
0: oh that makes me feel good well
1: and job of the hut just <laughs> I, I'll just never ever be able to to look at that ever again <laughs> right. yes, without getting a huge smile on my face yes. and and so thank you for bringing humor look, but at the same time you were serious about it mm-hmm. and and you really really captured the issue yeah. and I will be forever grateful for the fact that you did
0: that no I appreciate it and I appreciate that you you quoted the what we actually, what I what I said on the show, mm-hmm. um, that we've been out there, you know, we were doing that a long time ago or whatever, but not to take any credit for any of that, but uh, how important that issue has been for me and, and for all the people around. Gretchen, you know, thank you so much for being here. Um, I want everybody to read this book and, and hear you speak, and I love what you're doing on the college campuses. I think that's so important. Thank you. Uh, starting there and... And, you know, all you old dogs with your old tricks, sorry. <laughs> you know, jigs up. Yeah, the jig is up, you know, <laughs> because I I really, really do hope. And even though people know that showbiz has been dirty for a long time, but this Harvey Weinstein thing and now James Toback, I think hopefully is opening up people's eyes to how nasty it really can be in this business. And being in showbiz, it makes me so ashamed to just see all that stuff in the and I'm going to call it evil. The evil man, I don't think it's sick. I don't think it's a condition. This is evil being perpetrated on people, you know, to keep them down or to or to do whatever. It's got to stop. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being one of the people at this watershed moment. Gretchen Carlson, everybody, be fierce. Please go get the book. And uh, how about let's all be allies in this way? Oh, I
2: love it. Thank you, Larry.
0: Thank you.